Good morning. My name is Rachel Kuhn. This morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of John. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 from the New American Standard Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There is the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hope you all had a great New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. See if we're on there. Great. That's always a good thing. My name is Julie Steele, and I'm one of the pastors here at Evergreen. And uh, we had a fun New Year's Eve. When the kids were young, we had, it was a definitely a family affair. We had special fun foods, and kids got to stay up late, and we'd watch silly movies and all of that. And then as they left, we kind of had to regroup and figure out what we were going to do. So what we've been doing the past few years is we head up to the casino by our house, grab a bite of dinner, do some interesting people watching. I may or may not go slowly by a roulette table. Then we come home pretty early before things get crazy, watch movies, and I was promptly in bed at quarter to 11. So that was a pretty exciting time. You probably all had a little better time than me. Well, traditionally, this Sunday is a Sunday that we would celebrate what's called Epiphany in the church. Now, Epiphany is actually January 6th on Wednesday, and it is sort of the end of the Christmas celebrations. I know many of you probably leave your decorations up through Epiphany. That's, that's a real thing. Uh, and the other thing about Epiphany is that it, is, it ends the 12 days of Christmas. So today would be our ninth day of Christmas, so we would have who knows what, nine ladies dancing Probably the seagulls is my guess, so those are our nine ladies dancing. Uh, but the word epiphany means to reveal or revelation. A couple of definitions. A manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. A moment in which you suddenly see or understand clearly a new thing uh, in a very clear way. Now, the image of the Magi, or the Three Kings, is typically linked to Epiphany, because this story shows the manifestation of Jesus now not just to Jews, but to the Gentiles, because these three kings, or Magi as we call them, came from the East. We find that in the book of Matthew, and this, uh, another event that is linked with Epiphany is Jesus' baptism. Don't know if you knew that, but that also reveals Jesus' divinity. So again, it's an epiphany. Now, today we are going to focus on epiphany in the sense that 
Epiphany is always associated with light. I don't know if you realized it, but almost every song we sang talked about light of the world. Good job, Jared. Well, when the Magi followed the star or the light, as you see, they, it took them to Jesus. So when they got there, Jesus was revealed to them by the light. I like to say that their epiphany event was their come-to-Jesus moment. Well, today our title is Light Leads to Life. Light is a main theme in all of Scripture, but especially at Christmas time. I would bet that you all had Christmas lights up, candles lit, some kind of extra special lighting, as we do with the trees and these candles behind me. How many of you went to some kind of a light display this year, some kind of a display of light somewhere? Some of you did. What were some of those places that you went to? Warm Beach, which is an oxymoron, but anyway, so there are lights there. There's nothing warm about that beach. Where else did you go? Anybody did zoo lights? Zoo lights, and then there's the one down in Tacoma, yes. Botanical gardens, lots of places around here. Well, I discovered a TV show a few weeks ago. I don't know if you've heard of it. It is called Christmas Light Fight. You familiar with that? It's on Channel 4, and evidently, there are people all over the country that put up tons of light displays outside of their homes, and they submit to this contest because you get $50,000 if you win. They submit to this contest, and then this guy goes all over, and he looks at all the different lights and decides who's going to win. Some of these people are on four acres, and they have It all lit up. It's amazing. Well, a couple of the places that we saw, this is pretty cool. This was somewhere in the Midwest, and it it wasn't even nearly the biggest one. This one is local, obviously. (laughs) I think it's up in Kirkland, so they really go all out. And I love to do the lights outside the house or have my better half do the lights outside the house. And I get really excited about that. And every year, like, I would try to add something because I'm a little competitive. And in the neighborhood, I want to be the house, right? So after seeing this show, I have to say, I felt a little (laughs) deflated in our perfect Christmas light display. I thought we were doing well, but clearly next year, we got to up our game. (laughs) Well, what is it about light that we are so drawn to. You know, as kids, I remember using flashlights. You guys remember that? You wanted a flashlight. It was so fun when the power went out because you wanted to go grab that flashlight. We would even take a bunch of blankets and make a fort to make darkness so that we could hold our flashlight and just watch this light on the wall of these blankets. It was fascinating. You know, I feel that we were created to be drawn to light. And all the light that we desire is really a metaphor for the light that John is talking about here in his gospel. Spiritual light, physical light that represents spiritual light, just as physical darkness represents spiritual darkness. Now, John does not begin his gospel with the facts of Jesus' birth. 
as Luke and Matthew do. We're not reading about shepherds and angels and magi and Mary and a road to Bethlehem. You see, John's prologue here is strictly theological. It is not historical. And it's meant to orient us, the readers, to the nature of Jesus. You can see that in these verses here, how he talks about Jesus. He makes it clear that Jesus has always existed. He was with God in the beginning, and all things came into being by him. Jesus was not created. Jesus is God the Son, part of the Trinity. Now look at how many times the word light and life are highlighted here in just these nine verses. This gospel writer, John, also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which comes later on in your Bible. And it seems that John has a real theme in those books, too, of Jesus being the light. It's just very prevalent. It's how he sees him. You see, light and life, they seem to go hand in hand. Now, these verses here tell us four distinct things about light. Light is life. Light conquers darkness. Light is a person. And light is for everyone. Well, what does light actually do? Light reveals what's true. In other words, it brings understanding and sight kind of like that word epiphany that we talked about. Light makes it possible to see clearly things as they really are. Now, I have a little confession. I am going to be, I know you won't believe this, 57 years old this coming week. And the older I get, the less I like light. When I look in the mirror with that bright light, I am shocked by what I see. I want to know, when did I become my mother? (laughs) Light illuminating what is true or real has two sides to it. Like in my case with the mirror, it shows what the darkness or a really good dimmer switch hides. It shows my wrinkles and other unmentionable flaws. But Jesus, the true light, he shows my spiritual flaws. What's going on inside of me? Here is the great thing about darkness. I can let myself think that I'm fine, because I'm not as bad as so-and-so over there, and that jealous thought or judgmental attitude, it's not that bad because nobody sees it. It's in the dark. But, you know, receiving God's light into our life means allowing him to enter all the areas of our life, even that ugly stuff that nobody else sees. It's kind of like this. The darkness can hide the aftermath of a storm, but when the light of day comes, you can see all the destruction, can't you? We've had lots of flooding and windstorms, and we see scenes from all over the country where homes are completely demolished. 
But here's the thing. We can't have life, the life that John is talking about here in his gospel, without seeing the reality of what the darkness is hiding. And Jesus as the light symbolizes real life, just as the darkness symbolizes real death. We need the light of Jesus to pierce our darkness. I want you to notice in verse 5 that the darkness, it says, cannot comprehend or overcome the light. In other words, Jesus' light has more power than all darkness. Darkness only has power when something remains in the dark. Once it comes to light, it loses its power. This house that was destroyed can now be rebuilt because the light shows what needs to be repaired. It's not hidden anymore. In the same way, that's the way it is with our sin. Now remember, sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Once it's exposed, it loses its power over us. The greatest mistake we can make is to keep our darkness a secret. We will never experience God's complete light in our life if it remains in darkness. Make you feel a little uncomfortable? It does me. When my sin comes to light, I can see the destruction and the power that it holds over me. I'm not trying to hide it anymore in the darkness. When it becomes exposed, you see, I can be free of the power that it holds over me. Jesus offers me a forgiven life, a way to be forgiven of my sins and have a real life, free of guilt and free of the oppression of darkness. You know, I have many times in my life, and you probably have too, chosen to walk away from God's light and chosen to walk in darkness, making choices that I knew were outside of God's will for me. And I would purposely stay away from opening my Bible because that would bring light, or hanging out with my Christian friends, because that would bring light. And it wouldn't be until some crisis hit my life that God got my attention and I was drawn back to his light and out of the darkness that I was walking in. You know, walking in darkness is really scary. Have you ever been in physical total darkness? where there is no light anywhere and you're stumbling around and you're trying to figure out if you're going to fall over something or run into something, it's very disconcerting and scary. You know, just as God has put that natural draw for light in us, we also have a natural fear of darkness. And again, not just physical darkness, but spiritual darkness. Now, light is energy. Light is measurable. It's active. It has observable characteristics. Yet define darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. 
You can't describe characteristics of darkness. You can't measure it. It has no speed or wavelength. It's just the absence of light. And there is no amount of darkness that can overcome the smallest light. I'm sure you've noticed that. If it's in the middle of the night and you get up and you have one little night light in the hallway, it's not dark there anymore, is it? That's really good news. Because no matter how dark things get, no matter how dark your life or my life gets, we know that Jesus' light is brighter and can penetrate the darkest of situations. Thankfully, light conquers darkness. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this is a really dark world. And I don't mean just physically. All you have to do is turn the news on for maybe five minutes and you see the darkness all around. The evil, the oppression, the injustice. This is a dark place. We live in a fallen, broken, messed up world. It's just the way it is. And the things that happen to us, there's a variety. You all could could name your own darkness. We get sick. We lose a loved one. We lose a job. We see injustice. And for most of us, life has not turned out the way we planned. Even for us really good planners, it doesn't. I have to say that I am happy to close the books on 2015. There isn't much of this past year that I would choose to live through again. It was not a great year for our family. And frankly, I'm a little bit apprehensive about 2016. Now, don't get me wrong, I am very excited about being a grandmother to a little girl in the spring. And just so you know, my office will be turned into a nursery. But the other things that are looming uh, ahead for me, I still have my chronic health problem, and there is no end in sight. No doctor can figure me out or even wants to touch me anymore. And then there's my husband's health issues with his Parkinson's progressing and with will the cancer come back. I can go to a pretty dark place really fast, especially in the middle of the night. Does that happen to you? You wake up and you start thinking about things and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're in the darkness and you can't wait for the sun to come up so that you can see things a little differently. I can get really fearful of my future and wonder how is all this going to play out? And I can start to go deeper into that darkness as I think about the death of my plans and my dreams for what I thought my life would be like right now. However, just as the light reveals my sin, it has another side, and it reveals God's power. When I turn to Jesus, the light, and let his light overwhelm my darkness... He shows me the truth about the reality of what my future will be. It's an epiphany or a realization of what is true. And so now we can see this image. 
hopeful, a new day, brilliant sunlight. You see, I can have hope in the one who is the light and who is my life. Hope in something real, not just happy thoughts that are based on wishes and not promises. Listen to these words in Isaiah. I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. This reveals my reality. His light shows what is really true, and what is true and real is that he will make my darkness into light. Now, John continues here in verses 6 to 8 that a man named John, who is not the light, but a witness to the light. Now, this is not the same John that has written this gospel. It was John the Baptist, who was not a Baptist, he was a baptizer, who would later baptize Jesus. John the Baptist, you see, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, the light. And we too are called to prepare the way for Jesus, the light. Jesus told his disciples, you are the light of the world, which means us too. We carry Jesus' light with us in this dark world. However, I'm afraid that some of us unintentionally can do quite the opposite. Our self-centeredness, we just don't have enough time. Our lack of compassion, well, they got themselves into that situation. And our attitude of religious superiority push people away from Jesus' light and further into the darkness that they are in. Does anyone ever ask you, why, why are you so caring? Or do you get asked how you can be so thankful and joyful in the midst of your adversity? Do others see light or darkness in you? I think it's a fair question. Now, verse 9 here says that the true light came into the world and enlightens every man or every person. And this true light, it is Jesus. But this makes me think, since they use the word true here and not just the light, that there might be some false lights out there. A false light would be something that we're drawn to, like the true light, It looks like it would lead to real life, but it doesn't. Now, for some people, the ones in Jesus' day, the Pharisees would have been that true light, the light that they think they were drawn to, because they seemed to have the corner on who God was, right? And a false light would be the law. If you obey all the laws, good works, you will have a good life. You will be rewarded. Karma will look down on you nicely. Well, what false light might you be tempted to follow, thinking it's going to lead you to life? Maybe more education, or getting into that certain college. Possibly technology. If I just had more technology, well, that hasn't worked out so well for some of us. Or how about more money? 
if I just had more money, I would have a really good life. Or how about if I could just get married? I just want to be married. Or if I just wasn't married, that would solve my problem. Or how about having children? That would certainly complete my life. Well, here's one of my favorites. Some people think that if you just think positively, if you just have good thoughts, your life will be better. Now, there's nothing wrong with good thoughts, and there's nothing wrong with thinking positively. But for somebody like me, when I think positively, I'm positive things are going to go wrong. So that's not really a good place for me. When somebody says, I'm going to send you good thoughts, I think, well, you can have those good thoughts, but they're not, they're not getting to me, so that's probably not going to help me. I think about how if someone instead says, I am going to send you prayers to the light who can give you life, that's probably going to help me a whole lot more than just this thought process. Now, Jesus calls himself the light. He says, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light brings life. Not just life that we have to endure and get through every day, but real, abundant, meaningful life. Spiritual life. And spiritual life can only be found in the light. There's no other way. Jesus specified in this verse, those, uh, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And so following Jesus is a prerequisite to experiencing his light and his life. Well, he brings hope, and not just hope for now, but hope for all eternity. And this light is not just for a select few, but remember it says it's for all people. Everyone can have this light and this kind of life. We all can experience light in our darkness. There's no amount of darkness that you are in that can keep you from experiencing God's redemptive light in your life. Communion Sundays, we have a prayer team ready in the room back behind the soundboard, ready to pray for you during communion and after the service. If you are experiencing a dark place today, if you are wanting to be drawn more to the light of Jesus, I would encourage you to take advantage of our prayer team. They are wonderful people, and they would love to pray for you today. In 1 John, the other book that the gospel writer has written, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So are you ready to start 2016 inviting the light into your dark places to penetrate where you are feeling oppressed and overwhelmed? It's your choice. You see, you can have light and life, 
or you can experience darkness and death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, the light of the world, the light that permeates all darkness and overcomes it. God, I pray for every person here to experience your true light and life today. I pray for anyone who is feeling like they are in darkness, that they would see hope in you. God, I pray that your light would shine through each of us as we leave this place today so that the rest of the world can see your light in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.